Comparisons. You know it so very well. Because it starts in early childhood without you even be aware of it. Because you begin to notice the new toy, the latest toy, the latest version of the game that your friends have that you don't have, and theirs is new and shiny, and yours is rusty and dusty and musty. What are you going to do? Oh, it gets, so much, it gets so much worse when you go to school and it's show and tell. And here they are. They brought it with them, right, and, and up in front of the class. And everybody's like, wow, ooh, ah, and you, you hide yours. And then it gets worse when you go to lunch. And everybody's getting out of their lunch boxes and bags what mom packed. Or, oh, no, it was dad's day. Who knows what this is going to be. And you're comparing what you have for lunch with what they have for lunch. And they got the little Debbie that you always want your mom to get. But there's something about some sugar content thing she keeps harping about. And ain't no way. And And then you go into middle school, right? It gets worse. Then it becomes about your clothes. And suddenly you realize that tough skin jeans that your mom bought at Sears are no longer cool. Tough skin jeans. Yeah, they were made in the hardware department at Sears. The knees were out of Teflon steel kind of thing because the knees got there before the rest of you did. And you could see them coming. You could be 50 yards away. That guy's got tough skin jeans on. Right? Thanks, Mom. Need some therapy for that. Becomes about clothes, doesn't it? Adolescence, middle school, high school, about body image. Who looks like what? And about who your friends are. And then you grow up. Well, you leave all that behind, right? Nope, nope, nope. You grow up into adulthood, and it's still about the same stuff. Toys, just more expensive. Lunch, except now it's lunch and dinner and food, and they get to eat, and we don't get to eat. And now it's still about clothes. Still about body image. Still about who your friends are. Comparison. See, it hits everybody a little differently, yet... Young, old, depending on the life stage you're in, you deal with it. And it may, for you, it may be about a car, it may be about a house, it could be about, you know, who's married and who's not, who has kids and they don't, and the vacations you get to have, you compare, and and retirement, eventually you retire, you're like, I've arrived. No, because in retirement, you compare your retirement to somebody else's retirement in the state of what, and some of you are thinking, what retirement? See? You see what I'm saying? All right, I ain't got no retirement. Yep. Yep. Wow. It's like somewhere along the way we begin to wrestle with this thing, and nobody tells us we're going to do this. Nobody tells us that we're going to experience this, except we all do. This whole tug and pull of more versus enough, more versus enough, more versus enough, because we're constantly bombarded with bigger, better, nicer, newer. Bigger, better, nicer, newer. No matter what you have, no matter how old you are, bigger, better, nicer, newer, someone else always has. Bigger, better, nicer, newer. And so you're constantly this tug of war of do a, I, I want more, I want more. Is this enough? Is this enough? And the problem is there's always more, and there seems to never, ever, 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 ever quite be enough. And this is so hard to see. And it's so hard to admit, and it's so hard to get comfortable admitting that you struggle with this because it's everywhere. It's everywhere. We don't even see it. It's so common. It's an epidemic. And I think you know it. And I think you can feel it. If, if you don't think so, just pay attention 
to your thoughts and your feelings, your emotions, your heart rate, the next time you're on Pinterest. Yeah. And you're seeing what everybody else is doing and seeing whatever everybody else is decorating and everybody else. And I used to think, I used to think Pinterest, because I got daughters and a wife, and I used to think Pinterest was just something girls were into, but nope. Men are into it as well. I'll be talking to a guy and say, hey, man, where'd you, where'd you figure out how to do it like that? Well, I saw it on Pinterest. <laughs> oh, you did, right? Wow. When you get on there and you're constantly bombarded with what you don't have and what you're not doing, or, or, or go to social media, just notice the next time you're scrolling through Instagram or you're reading tweets or you're going through Facebook and, and just, just notice your heart rate, notice where your mind goes, notice... Yeah. Yeah. You see, every single one of us deal with this. And if you don't think so, just recognize your feelings when I tell you Christmas is fastly approaching. See? It's like constantly this tug of war of more versus enough, more versus enough. And we're not even... We're not even realizing the toll it's taking on us. In other words, we're just not very compare aware. We're not very aware of how much we compare and how often we compare and the number that it does on us. We're just not very compare aware. And my goal and my hope is that over the next few weeks, we'll become a little bit more aware of how much we compare. A little bit more aware that there's always going to be someone with more. Always, 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 always. I don't care what you have. There's always somebody with more. And to be more aware of this, you need to be more aware, and I need to be more aware of the fact that somebody is struggling with comparison to us. I know. Crazy. I'm thinking, man, that must be a sorry loser if he's comparing his life to mine. Right? Well, bless her heart if she's comparing herself to me, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Become more aware. It's, it's almost like we need a reality check when it comes to awareness. To understand that when it comes to comparisons, we can't know it all, we can't be it all, and we can't have it all. It would do us all a lot of good to just wrestle with this reality. We're, we're not aware of the fact that we can't know it all. I don't care who you're comparing yourself to, whoever it is, you don't know the whole story of why they have what they have and how they got it and what's going on in their life and what it's like to be them. You only have partial information. You're only always working with partial information about them. And they're always only working with partial information about you. You're quick to tell them, oh, you don't know. Oh, honey, you don't know. Oh, son, you don't know. All right, but it goes both ways. You can't know it all. You don't know everything about everything and all the situations and you can't be all. I can't be all. There's always somebody that's going to be a little bit more of whatever you want to be, think you need to be, or have been told you should be. There's always somebody that's a little bit more. You can't be at all. Nobody's the full package. Oh, well, she is. Oh, no, she's not. You don't know the whole situation. Oh, he is. Oh, no, you don't know. You only have partial information. You can't know it all. You can't be at all. You can't have it all. Fortunately, we don't need it all, but it doesn't keep us from thinking we, well, I, I know I can't have it all. I just want that. Well, I know I can't have it all, and that's ridiculous, right? Right. I just want that and that. I just want bigger, better, nicer, newer. And somewhere along the way, we got to start becoming a little bit more compare aware to get out of this mess. And it's possible. 
So I want us to begin the journey talking about the most basic level of comparison, the most basic way people compare. And it starts, we've already hinted at it. It it starts really early on in childhood is when we compare what we have to what other people have. But it doesn't stop in childhood, does it? We're constantly comparing what we have to what they have, to what they have to what we have, and comparing what we have and what we don't have, that we think we need or should have or ought to have or deserve to have or we're told we would have. Comparing what we have. In a minute, we're going to see what God has to say, but we got to kind of get there because this is tricky. And the reason this is tricky, the reason comparing what you have and what I have and the stuff and our, the things, the possessions we have with other people, the reason this is so tricky is that we were created by God with ambition. We were created by God with desire and with want. And all of those things are okay in and of themselves. Ambition is a good thing. Desire is a good thing. To want something is a good thing. But you got to manage those things. We have to be responsible with those things. We were created by God. It's very normal and natural for us to be pushed and have drive and desire. That's very motivating and can be very positive. But if you're not careful and you don't manage it well, it will go negative, it will get sideways and get unhealthy. And you will find yourself jealous, envious, bitter towards someone or something else. I, I, I put together something that I think kind of helps us see how this goes. And hopefully when I show you this, you can identify with it as well. Because if it's just me, I, I don't need to know if it's just me. I don't think it's just me. But here, here's what I call a progression of regression. It, it, starts, it starts very nice. Somebody gets something you want or you realize they have it and you don't or you've realized everybody seems to have it and you don't. And, and it starts very nice. It's like, oh, good for you. Good for you. Good for you. That's great. See, doesn't that, doesn't that feel nice just to say it? Good for you. Good for you. Okay? But they continue on and they continue to get stuff and you continue to not have the stuff. And you continue the comparison. It, it begins to regress a little bit. And it's like, well, that must be nice. That must be nice. That must be nice. Um, that's, when, that's how you say it to them. Now, behind their back, to your spouse, you go, must be nice. Right? You see that? You feel that edge? Right? It's coming. It's coming. And then, and then you start, you know, commentating. Well, that's just unfair, to be quite honest. It's just unfair. I mean, good for them. Good for them. But it's unfair because I work twice as hard and I have half as much. And that should have been mine. And you'd think, God, I've been a good boy. I've been a good girl. You know, I do this, I do that. And you would think God would throw me a bone here, you know, just to kind of help me out. It's just not fair. I mean, good for them and all. That's great. Enjoy it. But it's just a little unfair. And then eventually it's like, oh, well, of course. Of course she got that. She always does. Well, of course he got the raise. Because they only had two in the last six months. Well, of course their children are perfect. Everything else in their life is. Well, of course. See the edge? And then it gets nasty. Until you're just like, whatever. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Whatever. You know, you're just kind of like, don't even bring their name up to me. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) I felt this. And the reason 
the, the way, you know, I, I, I can tell you're laughing, so this must be you too. But I began to realize this, cause like this is the progression my mind goes through. When, when I'm comparing, and this happened to me, um, I noticed this summer, my wife and I had saved up for a, a few years and worked very hard to save up, put back money and all this kind of stuff uh, to celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary in Alaska. And so we went to Alaska this summer. And had a marvelous time, and um, we didn't do a cruise or anything because I I don't like to be in close quarters with people I don't know, and and, and I don't do the tour guide thing too much, you know. Like, we're going over here. I want to go where I want to go, when I want to go. I want to eat when I want to eat, and I want to eat what I want to eat, and I don't want to know. I don't want to pay somebody else to tell me what to do on vacation. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I missed my therapist thing this week. Okay, so anyway, I planned the whole thing out. And so we rented a car, and we're driving hundreds of miles, hundreds of miles all over Alaska and barely saw a smidge of it. And so I loved it. And we were just looking, oh, oh, looking. And I don't know if you've ever gotten to the point where you were tired of looking at beautiful things, right? You had seen so many beautiful things, your mind's just short-circuiting. I can't look at any more beautiful things. It's like, it's like when I see my wife, you know? I, I just... You know, it's all a few seconds, and I'm like, I got to look away, babe. <laughs> I can't. I can't. And she's in the service, and she just walked out. So, <laughs> No, have you ever had that moment where you're just like, okay, so we were driving, and we had been driving. Oh, my goodness. I think we had actually um, gone up into the central part of Alaska this day, and on the way home, we had just seen so many beautiful things. Donna said, you know what? I'm just going to rest my eyes while you drive. I just can't look. We had just seen a moose or something like that, and she said, you know, I just can't take anything else. I'm just going to rest my eyes a minute, and you just enjoy the scenery. So I, and she's over there just kind of snoozing, and I'm, I'm driving, and I'm like, man. And this is what was happening in my head. Whew. Can you imagine what it would be like to live here and look at this all the time? Good for these people. This must be awesome. And then, like, hmm, yeah, just to get up every day, it must be nice. It must be nice to just to live in the last great frontier of, of America. Yeah, it must, must be nice. Actually, it's kind of unfair. This is like July and it's 60 degrees and no humidity. And I'm going back to 300% humidity. And this is, just doesn't seem right. And you know what? I, I, these people, they don't even appreciate this. They, these people are ungrateful. There's no way that they, they've, they've gone numb to the beauty that's around them. Alaskans suck. I am out of here. You know, I've just, it was going bad and I find myself feeling bad and I was no longer having fun. I'm like, snap out of it, man. Snap out of it. And I know now some of you can't even laugh at my story because you're stuck on the fact that I got to go to Alaska this summer and you had to go to Myrtle Beach. See, you see what I'm saying? That's what we do. That's what we do. And it's tricky, man, because there's nothing wrong with ambition. There's nothing wrong with desire. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to go and have and do and be. But if you're not careful, it can get sideways real fast, and you'll find yourself into some unhealthy patterns of thinking and living because you don't have what other people have. Now, if you're like me, you might be thinking, okay, well, I don't want to cross the line. Where's the line? Where's the line? Actually, it's right there. No, just sorry. It's bad humor. It, where's the line where it crosses from ambition, desire, drive, and want that I was created with? Where's the line where it crosses into unhealthy comparison? It's a great question. When you get distracted, 
by something you want but you don't have, and that's all you can think about. It consumes you. And this is how you know you keep checking online. You keep checking. You keep looking at it. You screenshot it, and you're constantly, you're just scrolling through, and you're looking, and you're checking the prices. And you've been looking at prices for two months. The price ain't going down. It's as cheap as it's ever going to get and everything. And you're just looking, and you're comparing this one with that one. You're consumed by it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you're getting really close to the line. You're getting really close to the line. It's all you can think about. It's all you look about. And then you start noticing that everybody else has this phone, and I still have that phone. I'm having to crank my phone. Everybody else's phone is way smarter than my phone. Oh my goodness. Whether it's clothes or whatever it is that gets you. And then you get discouraged. Now you cross on the line. You start feeling bad about the fact that you only have this and they have that. You're feeling sad, a little gloomy, a little down. You start feeling like a victim. Well, what's wrong with me? Why can't I? Like, like, like life's picking on you, God's picking on you, and you've got the raw end of the deal. Man, I can't believe all these guys get to drive this, and they, they get to live here, and I just look at this dump of a house, and look at what I'm driving, this heap of trash, and look what, you know. I wore this last year. I wore this two years ago. I've been wearing this since Tough Skins. I'm still wearing Tough Skins. <laughs> right? You start feeling bad. And watch it, then you start disliking the people who have what you want. You're crossing lines. You get a little bitter. You're like, you know, I, I don't even want to be around them. You resent them. You start gossiping about them to other people on how they got what they got. Oh, well, you know the real story, right? You know how he got that? Oh, someone gave that to her, okay? And she inherited that. Some precious grandmother died. That's the only way she got it. She didn't work for it. He didn't earn it. Oh, yeah. You, you, do you know? Have I told you? Well, you know. You know that's not her real hair color. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know she's had work done. She doesn't really look like that. <laughs> and then it can get really dark. And you turn on each other and attack each other. Do you know that the first recorded murder in history, between brothers, Cain, Abel, you may have heard their name. You know what that was about? Comparison gone bad. That's what that was. And so if, if you're not careful, this will go bad. Maybe you're thinking, well, what can I do then? What can I do from crossing the line? It's a great question. Here are your options. You can force it. And here's what I mean by that. You don't have what it is you want so you can force it and go into debt to get it. You know you don't have the money, so oh, we're just going to put it on a card or a ballet. Right? right? And young people make this mistake all the time. Younger people. And, and, and listen, it, it's hard. It, it really is hard living in the world that, that we live in because you're constantly bombarded. And you think you should have at this stage in your life what your parents have at this stage in their life. It took them 20, 30, 40 years to get to where they're getting. And, and you think you got to be there just like that. And so you force it. Or you force it because everybody else in your class has one. Or you force it because all the other guys are driving one. Or you force it because you're the only one that's still wearing this. And you're not, Right? And you, and you put yourself in a bad place financially to make it happen. Or, or you stress over it. You're, you're miserable. You're miserable. And don't, don't you hate it? There's some people that when they get miserable, they love to share their misery and make everybody else around them miserable. And if that's you, you probably don't know it. <laughs> but we do, right? 
Or you can accept it. You can accept it. So I want to spend the last little bit of time we have together talking about that. Because God has an answer to this whole comparison thing. God has an answer for it. And it's, his answer just happens to be another word, another word that starts with the letter C, like comparison. But, but I, I got to warn you, okay, this is probably not new information to you. When I give you what this word is, and some of you, you're already going through the lexicon. You know, cold, no, I am though. You know, you're going through all the C words. All right, we'll get there, we'll get there, just listen. When I tell you what it is, you're going to be like, oh yeah, I knew that. And, and, and chances are, you've been chasing this to no avail. Because there's a secret to it. You've got to know the secret. And once you know the secret... Then you can start experiencing it. And when I tell you what this is, I'm just telling you, you're, you're not going to be surprised. God's answer to comparison is contentment. You see what I'm saying? There ain't nothing sexy about contentment. <laughs> right? Everything inside of you just wants to go, oh, that's a letdown. Contentment ain't no fun. I'm with you. But it's the answer. The comparison. And see, here's the deal. We all know we should be content. Whether you're a Christian or not, you know this. You know you don't want to be eaten up with this comparison thing. And you want to be content with what you have and who you are and where you are in life and all that kind of stuff. You want to healthily deal with ambition and drive and desire and want. But you're constantly chasing it and you never quite get your hands on it. Because you might not know the secret. You might not know the secret. Paul, in the first century, was going around planting churches all throughout the first century area there where the biblical story was happening and in that Middle Eastern area all around the Mediterranean Sea Rim, planting churches, doing wonderful things, sharing the love of Jesus. And in doing so, he, he kind of left... For there for a while, he left his day job to go do it. it he was doing this full time. It took all of his time and energy. Now, there were other times where he could have some side jobs. But needless to say, he were having times when he, he was really struggling just to make it financially. And because of the work he was doing, what happened often is that local churches, often the local churches he started, would help give him financial gifts and support him so that he could continue to plant more churches. It was a beautiful arrangement, and it was working quite well. And so he wrote them a letter. He wrote these group of Christians in Philippi a letter to thank them, among other things, but to thank them and to encourage them, but to thank them for their gifts. And he gets to this part of the letter where he kind of peels the curtain back a little bit and helps them understand just how grateful he is and what he's learned through the process and it has everything to do about this contentment word and the secret to it. That's what Paul says. For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Key word learn. It's true for you and me too. You know what that means? Contentment, the reason you're constantly chasing it, it's not in your default wiring. You didn't come pre-programmed with, oh, I got enough, thank you very much. No, we're almost like pre-programmed with bigger, better, nicer, newer, and more, and not enough. And it's just kind of our nature. It's the backside of ambition and drive and desire and want. 
And so Paul said, I've learned, I've learned, I've learned. I've had to learn it. It didn't come easy. And it didn't come quickly. But I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. And he's getting ready to unpack that a little bit more. And he says this. See, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. Now, if you're like me, your eyes immediately go to the word everything. And you're like, that's what I want right there. Everything. That must be nice, Paul. To know what it's like to have everything, we skip right over that first part, right? The nothing. Because isn't it true that you don't even know how to appreciate anything until you've had nothing? Yeah. He said, I, I've learned. I've learned how to be okay with nothing. And maybe that's where some of you need to start with contentment. You ain't got much, and you need to start there. See, that's healthy. Because if, if you don't, when you have everything, you, you'll never know how to be content with that either. Hmm, he said, I've learned the secret. Uh-oh, here we go. The secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. The secret. He's getting ready to tell us what the secret is. And the secret is, drum roll please. Drum roll please. Thank you. I can hear Oak Ridge louder than this. Come on, drum roll please. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That's the secret. He said, I've learned the secret, how to do this contentment thing. And the secret is not going to another class. Nothing wrong with classes. The secret is not a formula. Nothing wrong with formula when you need a good formula. The secret is not trying harder, even though sometimes we need to try harder. What's the secret? The secret's not a what. The secret is a who. He said, I've learned the secret of, of how to get by on nothing and how to enjoy everything and how to have a little and, and enjoy a lot. I've learned the secret, and the secret is Jesus, who gives me the strength to be able to be content no matter what I... This is one of the most quoted passages in all of the Bible. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. It's on bumper stickers. You see it on plaques and walls, and it's beautiful. There's nothing wrong with it. It's great, but understand this. The context of this beautiful, most quoted verse, probably other than John 3.16, the context is contentment. Context of contentment. So, what he's saying is literally, what he's saying is, I can do any situation because Jesus gives me strength. I can do the bad ones and the good ones. I can do any situation, <clears throat> whether I have a little or I have a lot, because Jesus will help me and give me the strength I need. So, I can do the, moment, the moments when I can't make the ends meet and I, and I can't make the bills and I, and I, and I can't. And I wish, and I want, and I don't have, and it's dusty, rusty, and musty. I can do that because Jesus is going to help me. And the days when, hey, we got it. We did it. We have it. It's new. We unwrap it. It smells new. It looks new. It is shiny. It sparkles. And yay! We can do that because Jesus will help us. And it all points in between what I have and what I don't have. I can be content with through the help of Jesus. So this contentment thing is not a stuff issue. It's a spiritual issue. 
Let me give you, in the last few minutes, let me give you a prayer to pray that is the secret to this contentment thing. And this contentment thing is how you get through the comparison trap, how you make it through, how you not get sucked into a dark place and be consumed by what you have and what you don't have. Here's the prayer, the most simple, the most powerful prayer you could possibly pray is Jesus help me. You say, well, that's it? It's not very deep. Oh, that's, listen, that's as deep as you can handle. There is nothing more powerful than that prayer. You find yourself going to a dark place. You find yourself starting to struggle. And you're getting all worked up over, and you're distracted, and now you're discouraged, and now you hate her. And now you don't even want to see him because of what they have and you don't. And boy, you've crossed the line, and you're beyond the line, and this is not going well. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. It's a powerful, supernatural reality. You pray it every day throughout the day as you find yourself getting all worked up, comparing what you have and what you don't have. Let's give it a little bit more definition. Jesus, help me accept what I do have and trust you with what I don't have. Accept what I do have and trust with what I don't. Jesus, help me. Accept what I do have. Here's the reality. And I'm not saying this to make you feel guilty. This is just the truth. You have more than you think you have. And I have more than I think I have. We have more than we've been convinced that we have. And that we convince ourselves that we have. So Jesus, help me accept what I have. And all I have. No, I don't have that. And I may or may not get that. And no, I don't have that. And I may or may not get And no, I don't have that. And I may or may not get that. We'll get to that. But help me, Jesus, accept what I have. I grew up in a traditional church environment. And um, it came with a lot of negative baggage, unfortunately. And it took me, it took me years to be able to uh, be thankful and grateful for the positive things that I experienced in those traditional church environments, even though it did come with a lot of baggage. So it was a lot of detoxing, yeah. But, but the foundation, I was given so many good things, so many good things that I'm grateful for. And I've learned, and it's taken some therapy and some help and all kinds of stuff to learn to be grateful for it in the midst of all the junk. In the, and we'll talk about that before we're, this series is done, by the way, how to do that and how to learn how to do that. But one of the things from my traditional upbringing that was so positive was a lot of the music. A lot of the music. Not all of it, but a lot of it. There was this song we would sing in, in churches where I grew up, and maybe you've heard of it. It's a real old song. Uh, Count your blessings. Right? Count your blessings. And the lyrics, very, very interesting. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Right? And the lyrics tell you what happens when you name them one by one. You just might be surprised what the Lord has done. So when you stop and take inventory on what you have, you have more than you think you have. You have more than you convinced yourself you have. And so Jesus, help me. Jesus, help us accept what I have. And trust you what I don't. 
because you don't have it all. You can't be it all. You can't know it all. You obviously, there's a deficit at some point because you're human. So help me. Accept what I do have and trust you with what I don't. Trust you with what I don't. That I may never get or I may not get yet. Either way, God, I got to leave that up to you. That's so easy to say and it's so hard to do. Help me trust you with what I don't have. Hey, listen, have you ever wondered why you don't have what you don't have? Have you ever wondered why it is, really, you don't have what it is you don't have? Maybe immediately you'll go, oh, yeah, it's somebody's fault. It's somebody's fault I don't have. Maybe you think it's your own fault. You bought when you should have sold. You sold when you should have bought. You should have stayed in school. You should have went to school. You should have gone to a different school or gotten a different degree or whatever. I hope you don't blame yourself, but maybe you do. There's a lot of people that blame others. Yeah, it was that boss. He gave her the raise. He gave him the job. He gave them the office. And it should have been mine. Maybe you blame your parents. It could be you blame God. Because isn't God ultimately in charge of who gets what? Yep. But has it ever occurred to you why God has not given you what it is you want that other people have? Because there's nothing wrong with wanting. He created you with want. Could it be that God is trying to protect you from something that you don't know and you getting it would be bad for you and you don't see it because you're the two-year-old that wants 10 cookies, right? You want the 10 cookies and, and five cookies is good. 10 cookies would be twice as good and mommy says no and daddy says no because what the parents know is about at cookie nine, all of the other eight come back up with everything else they had. Right? They know. Would be, what you think would be so good for you, mom and daddy know, would not be good for you. And you can't see it. Could it be God is protecting us toddlers, these, us, us children, from what we don't know and what we don't see and what we don't understand? Or, not only is God protecting you, that's why you don't have what you don't have. Could it be that God is actually preparing something better for you down the road while you're all upset on what you don't have, what you don't have, God's like, would you just hold on? Because over here, I'm working on something that's simmering in my big crock pot of stuff. That if you just let this thing work, I know, I know, I hear you. Just wait, wait, because I got some. Don't force it. Don't force it. Don't get consumed. I got something over here that's going to be so much better than that. Could it be that the reason... He won't ask you out because God's got another he. Hello. And, and it may be why that job's not ever coming through because God's like, I don't want you in that job. I want you in this job and you haven't heard about this job yet. Keep applying. I'm working on something. You're not ready for it yet. Maybe God's getting you ready for what he's getting ready for you. Yeah, that's what a loving Heavenly Father does. He protects us from stuff. He prepares us for stuff. And maybe that's why you don't have what you don't have. So Jesus, help me. Help me. Accept what I have. Trust you with what I don't. Let's do it right now. Let's do it right now. I want you to think. And you, you're already doing it, okay? So that thing you've been thinking about that you don't have, and it could be a car thing, a house thing. It could be a health thing. It could be a vacation thing, a job thing, a money thing, a retirement thing. I don't know, but you do because you've been thinking about it this whole time. 
Nothing wrong with wanting it. Nothing wrong with ambition, desire, and drive. But you've got to manage that. You've got to be careful not to be distracted, discouraged, and dislike those who have it. So think about that. And let's go to God together about that. And you ask him, Jesus, help me. Father, we come to you right now. You are so good to us to let us read and discover and learn what Paul learned. And you had him write it down so that we could learn 2,000 years later from the same kind of stuff he learned. And I can't even imagine living in the first century and wanting anything they had. But they were just as consumed by more and enough as we get. And the secret for him is still the secret for us. And it's you. It's you. So Jesus, we're thinking of the stuff we want. And we're tempted to force it. Be consumed by it. Could you help us accept what we do have? Because you've given us so much more. So much more. And can you help us trust you with what we don't? That we may not get today, we may not get tomorrow, we may not get it ever. Or it could be that you're just protecting us from something or preparing us for something even greater down the road. So help us to just take a step back and trust you. Trust you with these things. In Jesus' name, amen.